Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. As you all know by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JustBaseball and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. One, download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JustBaseball. Two, deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. Three, you will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JustBaseball when you sign up. Disclaimer, BetMGM.com for terms and conditions and must be 21 or older to wager. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., New York, or Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Nevada, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, one 800 327 5050 in Massachusetts, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, and 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,500 first bet offer today. So we're getting a game seven in the ALCS and we are getting you geared up for game six in the NLCS as this thing moves back to the bank. Jack McMullen, Aram Layton, late night on Sunday. What's going on with the Dolphins? Are they down? What's the word? They lost. They lost. Officially? I, I, I knew this one was going to be an L. I, the way it's stacked up, it's okay. It was it was fun to have both those games going at the same time, though, having the ALCS above and then you know, my Dolphins on prime time, which I don't get too often. That, that was cool. But to me, this was a scheduled loss. Teams beat up. Kind of a bounce back game for the Eagles is what it is. Nostradarum, knowing that Mike McDaniel was going to take the L. The really nice setup next weekend because we've got the World Series on Friday, World Series on Saturday, and then off night Sunday. Bears Chargers on Sunday night football. So I can just take a pure off night Sunday. I don't need to watch football. It's going to be great. Yeah, it's perfect. Um, just baseball show as always brought to you by bet mgm and uh, we got to talk about the weekend that was because the baseball was excellent and it started on friday which was great and friday night okay so on the heels of a Cattell Marte walk-off you've got that gabby moreno go ahead hit after that pinch hit game tying home run from alec thomas first of two consecutive games where he hits a big homer and Arizona wins that. And then in game two, or in game one, that was game two. Game one, you had that massive, huge game and that Altuve great homer in the ninth inning. Astros win 5-4. Friday could have been, I think for sure, it was the best baseball night of the postseason. 
that might have been the best baseball night we've had in quite some time. It, it was a lot of fun. And I think it, it the Diamondbacks-Phillies game for me was the most exciting because we had that kind of fear that this would be a lopsided series. And, you know, I think you had gentlemen sweep. I think I even had them as a sweep potentially. Um, and this game where you see them battle back again, it was like you figured they might get one out of the series. But to get another one right after that, that's where I was like, okay, buckle up. We've got something here. Of course, we're going to talk about what Zach Wheeler did again and all that. But this turned into one of those things where it was like, okay, they don't have a chance. Oh, I'm not buying it yet. Now, okay, they've got a chance. They can actually make something happen here. Uh, and it's just cool to see them make the Phillies sweat a little bit. Yeah, let's knock out the D-backs Phillies talk here because we're going to spend the bulk of the time on game six in the ALCS and then we'll preview game seven and game six on the NL side. But Alec, I got a text at a really weird <laughs> hour of the night from Mr. Layton over here, and it simply said, Alec Thomas found it. And this is a guy that I think a lot of baseball fans and a lot of Diamondbacks fans in particular and some prospect heads were waiting on him to find it. They were waiting on him because they knew that he was such a freak athlete and he's an amazing defender. And if he plays a full 162, he can swipe 30 bags, no problem. But there was just something a little weird with the swing. What was it? What changed when you sent me that? It's It was an AM time, but it was like not a normal AM time. What yeah. changed when you sent me that text? I, I was just watching the swing from the open side. You know how you can just get the, all the different video angles? Yeah. And it's crazy because he's such a – I mean, there's a lot of moves to his swing. He's a super athletic hitter. Uh, but you could just see a slight difference in the way he's able to like control his body now and the, the way he's able to kind of stay in his back hip because he has a big leg kick and a big move. And I don't know, it just looks a lot different. It looks a lot more geared for damage instead of the ground balls, which was always – you know, a bugaboo going back into the minor leagues when he was a prospect. And I don't know, it just looks a little bit different now. He looks, even his takes look easier. Everything looks a little bit more on time. So it's just been fun to see him step up. And that's the cool thing about the postseason, uh, especially when you have these young teams is they need everybody to be able to kind of even make the Phillies nervous. And for Alec Thomas to hit home runs in consecutive days and in consecutive games, I know it didn't matter too much in, in the last loss, but just seeing him have an impact is pretty awesome because not too long ago, Jake McCarthy was kind of leaping him on the depth chart, which, you know, just shows you how up and down this game can be. Yeah. And it looked like Canzone had leapt him on the depth chart, I think, before or had leaped him on the depth chart before he got traded to Seattle and that Seawald deal. But there has to be faith in Alec Thomas when they do make that Seawald move. And you relinquish a dominant Canzone and you relinquish a utility guy in Rojas and you relinquish yeah. a future guy that could possibly play the outfield in Ryan Bliss. Like those were three guys that are competing for at bats with Alec Thomas within the next year that you moved for an all star caliber closer. And this guy with his warrior cries at the end of games yeah. has been awesome. We're going to get swing dorky for a minute. Because something that I constantly see in your write-ups at JustBaseball.com, by the way, end of season top 100 is live. It's oh, yeah. perfect. No notes. Everyone's ranked accordingly. Um, but something I see all the time in the hitter write-ups and something that we text back and forth, you always use the phrase back hip. Like you always say back hip, back hip, back yeah. hip. And my pushback is, is Bryce Harper a back hip guy? Because it feels like there's a ton of weight transfer from the backside to the front side. And you're like, well, he's he's an exceptionally freakish athlete. 
I saw the open view of Alec Thomas too, and he doesn't really seem like that hold the back hip guy. Yeah. Is he exactly. just another freak athlete? Take me into this. Yeah, that's that's a thing is like when you have guys that are super athletic and you know, they're able to almost leverage their lower half in a way that just a lot of other hitters just aren't able to still be so coiled in their backside while still having such a, a pronounced forward move. And and Harper's a guy that if you see, but every time he steps in the box, he does that little inward twist and that little thing that he does while he like scrapes for the dirt as well. And it's just like always trying to find that coil and find that feel. Most guys, it's like, I need to start stacked on my backside. Less move is more. And that's the easiest way to control my body. But these like next level athletes, they can still control their body and, and hold it and stay back and stay coiled, even with a little bit more of a pronounced forward move or what looks like that. It's it, it's pretty amazing. It's usually the athletic guys that can pull that off. There are very few of them. Like aside from Harper, obviously there's a huge gap between Harper and Alec Thomas, but who else jumps to your mind? In terms of the athleticism? Yeah. Oof. In terms of like not staying on the back. Yeah, because like, it's funny. A lot, of the, a lot of the best hitters think about it, like Jordan, like how how simple and quiet it is like how little movement there is man i mean think mike trout same thing like how little movement there is he has the leg kick but everything's back and everything stays back and it's off as it's almost one-legged like you're swinging off your back leg and but, aaron judge is the poster boy of it yeah exactly exactly but in terms of it like an i mean you can make the case altuve like in and mookie Betts. those are all like really athletic hitters but i i'd argue that if you look at an open side, they're all kind of swinging one legged off the backside most of the time. So, um, yeah, it's it's cool. It's it's really awesome in this stage too, because everything is just I don't know, so pitch to pitch, and you're just trying to make one perfect swing or get the one best swing off in one spot, and you can send your team to the playoffs. And like Adolis is a perfect example of that guy. Like when he's on, he's on. He was zero for four with four punches. I know we're going to get to the game and talk about that, but like that guy just gets one good swing off and, you know, ends up putting the game on ice. And like that that's the cool thing about the playoffs is like, you just got to find it for one swing and you can make a big difference. A hundred percent. Couple of articles that I want to cite in regards to this Phillies Diamondback series. And, and they're both Phillies related. They're trying to lock it down. It's Nola and Merrill Kelly. By the way, Merrill needs to know not to make those Citizens Bank Park comments when he's starting game two and game six both in Philly. Like if you had one start in Philly, one start in Arizona, there's your redemption. But he got the short end of the stick and Evaldi got the short end of the stick and the stick and he ran with it here in Houston. But Kelly starts in Philly, the place that he just kind of shat on last week. And man, like, I, I don't know, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. The, the one that I want to highlight first is Jason Stark's weird and wild column on the athletic, which is always great. A bunch yeah, of always great tidbits. And it was focused on Kyle Schwarber, who is hitting the ball like nobody has ever hit the ball in an LCS. He is the highest slug ever in an LCS. He is the highest OPS ever in an LCS. So if the Phillies do win this thing in six, I think Kyle Schwarber is the MVP, but adding him to the fold with a Harper, with a Castellanos, with all these guys that are swinging the shit out of the bat right now. Schwarber at the top feels as important as Harper himself. Yeah, and also, by the way, that's a guy, watch his swing from the open side. He is like, it's as far off the back leg as, as you're going to find. And that's how, I mean, he generates such a stupid amount of power. And it just feels like right now, he everything's on time and he's getting that swing off. And you mentioned it when he hit that, 
home run. It was, was it the fastball that was center cut from gallon where you said like, that was the first one that we really been like waiting for him to, to really break through with. And I, I thought of that when you were talking about it, like, Oh, that might finally get him rolling. I was like, that's almost like a, a shooter getting a free throw through after being 0 for 10 from three. Like that's all you needed. Like, okay, everything's timed up again and, and get rolling. And from the point that you said that onward, I think he's hit three bombs. He's been walked in and has been coming through big time. And I love that when you look at this team, Schwarber, you know, no one would assume that he's going to hit leadoff, but in the position that he's in with Harper looming, you know, two batters later and, and Turner sandwiched in between there, like you got to throw to Schwarber and he's going to get that one or two pitches that he can do damage on. And he's not missing them right now. And that's really all it comes down to. Does he foul off the, the one ball he's going to get to hit or does he put it in the seats and now putting him in the leadoff spot gives him that pretty much guaranteed one ball to hit, you know, every at bat. And chances are it's the first pitch of the game. And we saw him do that against Gallen in Philly, first pitch of the Phillies offensive night, bottom of the first inning. But, I mean, he shit on that ball. And then he hit a ball 461 in Arizona in game five. With them holding a 3-2 lead going home, it feels like Schwarber can take that big hack in the bottom of the first. And that's kind of what I'm IDing. Like, if Kelly isn't super-duper careful to Kyle Schwarber – This could be the start of a really long World Series clinching night, I think. The other one that I want to cite is Ryan Finkelstein wrote a great article on JustBaseball.com, our managing editor. And it it was literally a yes or no question. Is is Bryson Stott the best second baseman in baseball? Because you've got a lot of Phillies players saying, I think he's the best second baseman in baseball. There are other guys that jump to mind. Ozzy Albies. How about the guy in Houston, Altuve? I think he's kind of the runaway right now. Um, yeah. Marcus Semyon should be up there too. Yeah. But there's something special about what Stott is doing, and it's kind of cut from the Nico Horner cloth, where this guy can play a good yeah. shortstop, move him to second, and he's playing an elite second base. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that we were talking about, I think I did in the episode with Peter, where – I think if you flip-flopped him and Trey Turner, I think he'd grade out probably better at shortstop than Trey Turner, to be honest. I, I interpreted when Harper said that, that he was talking defensively. I didn't know if he was talking about second base overall, but I can understand it like from the perspective of the way he's playing right now is up to the level of you know the best second baseman in baseball. And I think they're looking at it like what he can be because he's still uber young, second year in the game, playing high leverage baseball and and coming through. And clearly he's got that, moxie and i think just the the makeup and attitude to be able to you know i think be a good pro for a long time and i think they're seeing that now on the big stage so i think they're kind of saying he's going to be one of those guys but right now i mean there's a there's a handful of second basemen i think you're taking over stott but i i i take him in the big stage i like him a lot in these big moments if we were doing the the gm survey thing that they do in the nba it's start your franchise with one guy if you could start your franchise with a certain second baseman he's got to be in that conversation because altuve's on the other side of 30 Semyon, other side of 30 albies does he provide that overall value that stout does i don't know i think it might be between a horner or a Bryson Stott, which is a yeah. great conversation to have. Cattell Marte getting a little bit older, too. And I think Cattell Marte has fully inserted himself back into that conversation. Oh, my gosh. I mean, he's been awesome on the other side. And I think a big reason why this this team still has a heartbeat. I mean, it, we've seen Corbin Carroll do a lot of great things, but 
there's been a little bit more of the ebbs and flows. And I think even Moreno has been a little bit more consistent, even dealing with, I mean, this poor guy's getting banged up like crazy, by the way, Moreno's just getting knocked around uh, and continues to stay in these ball games and, and fight through it. But Marte, I mean, he's looking like that superstar player that we got, you know, a taste of a few years ago. And then just injuries have kind of held him back. It's been really fun to see him kind of put it all together. And it just seems like the team's starting to look more like the the Diamondbacks that they were in the regular season, which is cool. But the amazing thing about it is that's what what an ace does is kind of stifle momentum. And they they pull off that win. They have that big comeback. They they get to Kimbrell, which I know Phillies fans like I know they don't trust him much right now, but you gotta live and die by it. And that's like when you went and got the Hall of Fame closer or you know, borderline. Yep. That's what that's what you're signing up for is putting him in the big moments. The momentum just stops anyway. Like three runs, you think you're coasting in the next game, you might be able to steal another one, and then Zach Wheeler just just does it again. And yep. that's the amazing thing of what an ace can do to a series. Not only can they win it for you, they can also stop it from getting out of hand and put you right back into it. So we're about to move to the ALCS, but before we do that, Zach Wheeler, I was just going to say, like, Zach Wheeler, your thoughts. But seven innings, six hits, one run, struck out eight, and one walk. Only run against him was a solo homer. He is, he's clearly number one in terms of postseason pitchers right now. I don't think there's an argument here. Like, Javier, okay. I'm taking Wheeler and the durability factor over Christian Javier constantly. Even over Nathan Eovaldi, because Eovaldi... Yes, he's been dominant, but there have been some tightrope innings where he's mm-hmm. had traffic that he's worked out of. That's just never the case with Zach Wheeler. And you see it in the whip, a, an historically great whip in the postseason. Walks and hits per innings pitched. He's never working with foot traffic on the base paths. That's such a calming thing for an offense that will send people into a chaotic frenzy with one swing of the bat. And having him to complement that Phillies offense is a match made in heaven. I mean, it's it's at the point where is there ever going to be a start in the playoffs? Assuming Wheeler is continuing to pitch at this level. Yeah. Is there ever going to be a start in the playoffs over the next couple of years where if he maintains this, you don't think that Wheeler has the edge? Like how many pitchers out there that maybe in, in a year or two, could match Wheeler in the postseason. You take Garrett Cole and flashes, but we've we've seen some flashes where it's just not as takeover as Wheeler. Uh, you, you could talk about maybe a few other guys, but right now it just seems like Wheeler is the one that's just consistently unhittable and consistently a cheat code in, in the playoffs. I have no idea who else you take. To be quite honest, like I'm thinking guys that didn't make it, and Cole was the first name that jumped to mind, but Cole. I don't know. He's had hit or miss moments and, you know, I'm holding the early 2010s against him, but the, I feel like there was a wild card start for Pittsburgh that didn't go well. And then we remember that 21 wild card start for the Yankees against the Red Sox and that didn't go well. There's just never really an instance of things not going well for Zach yeah. Wheeler in the postseason in a Phillies uniform. And it's automatic and it's always off of fastball command. Yeah. The sinker has been great. The breaking stuff has been great. But it's always because he's flirting with the perimeter of the strike zone with every forcing fastball he throws. And this guy is unbeatable when he has this fastball command. And there's something about the month of October where he has it. So taking your point a little bit farther, assuming full health for the next five years, 
if Zach Wheeler starting a postseason game, are you ever picking the other team to win? <laughs> Dude, it's got to be really hard for me to do that. I, I don't think so. I, I think that's one of those things where it's like betting against Randy or Rosarena in the, in the postseason, not as a team. I mean, like the individual player, like I'm taking his under on basis. There's no way. There's like, no way I'm ever doing that. Nobody impacts a game in sports like a starting pitcher. You could say a quarterback in the NFL, disagree. Defense yeah. could be amazing. Nobody impacts a game like a starting pitcher. So I feel like yeah. that guy, when he's looking like this, I can never pick another team to win. No. And in the World Series, man, it, assuming they get there, <laughs> I, I don't think there's going to be a game, on no matter who advances to, from the American League, as we're about to talk about, I don't think there's a game where there's a pitching matchup where I don't think the Phillies have a pretty sizable edge because of Zach Wheeler. Yeah. It was a blowout on paper with that 9-2 Rangers win in the ALCS over the Astros in Game 6 last night. We got Game 7 tonight, and that's Christian Javier and Max Scherzer. Oof. <laughs> like Maybe the home team wins this one. I don't know. We'll get to that in a moment. 9-2 looks way worse than that game actually was. That game had all of the drama. And before we get into the nitty-gritty of the star players, a pinch hitter's strikeout was the best baseball theater we've seen in a long time. Yeah, it was it was a tease. It really was. And a, a good at bat, though, from John Singleton overall. I mean, that was a battle. And, and for those who don't know, you know the the total background and story, we talked about it when uh, when Singleton got back up with with the Brewers and then got an opportunity again with with the Astros. But this was a guy that was regarded as one of the better young hitters in the minor leagues and was you know, consensus top 10 prospect by the time he was getting ready to debut. And one of the first guys that got the pre-arbitration deal where it was what five years, 10 million or something like that. Yeah. Um, it was like five for 15. I'll get it. Yeah. But this was, you know, 10 plus years ago. So, and that was before we really ever saw these deals and he was a first baseman. So unfortunately I kind of struggled to avoid suspensions, multiple, you know, failed drug tests for marijuana, which they don't even test for anymore. And some other issues that just kind of got him, you know, pushed out of the game and he got released and he somehow fights back and works his way all the way back and gets an opportunity now with the team that he you know, had to get released by after they gave him $10 million in the Astros. And not only does he get an opportunity with them, he makes the postseason roster. And no, he has not hit at all this playoffs, but he's been a power bat that they've had stashed on the bench. And he got an opportunity here to make an impact in the ALCS, spending a lot of time talking about a guy who ended up striking out with the bases loaded. But it was a good battle, and I was just dreaming about him being able to come through there. It was close. Full count, backup slider, not much you could do about it. That thing just stayed up. Uh, But Singleton was getting some good swings off. And again, talk about another guy that's really loaded and coiled into his backside. He gets swings off from there. It helps that he's built like an edge rusher in the NFL that's going to go like top five in the draft. But um, Singleton, yeah, it was five years for 10 mil in June of 2014. And this guy resurfaces in the major leagues in 2023. I've watched this guy with Nashville for the last two years now. He was a Brewers AAA guy. And this is what he does. Like it's always a full count when he's (laughs) up. So that big walk in game five And then in game six, where he works that full count and he swung underneath what could have been ball four. I think that did clip the top of the zone on that slider, but he worked a deep count again. This is him. Like that's this version of John Singleton. He's not a free swinger. He's a guy that's going to work an incredibly disciplined at bat. 
it's nice yeah. because there are, in my opinion, too many guys in this Astros lineup that are working very uncompetitive at bats. And, you know, like when the crowd gets on their feet after Martin Maldonado dips his elbow in to take a hit by pitch, you know that that guy's not going to beat you. Maldonado's yeah. not going to beat the Rangers. Jeremy Pena right now is not going to beat the Texas Rangers. He doesn't look good. But no. nobody remaining looks as lost as Kyle Tucker right now. Yeah. And it yeah. sucks to see because he's a $300 million player and we firmly believe that. And this is the shit part of this sport. You go through these stretches, no matter how good you are, no matter if you're Mauricio Dubon or Travis Jankowski or Evan Carter or Kyle Tucker. Kyle Tucker led the American League in RBIs this year, and he cannot hit anything hard. And yeah. he's wearing the frustration. This was the first game that I kind of saw him wear the frustration and the goddamn it, why me look on his face. And the body language was just a little weird tonight. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Today's show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How often does your mind get in your own way? You want to go to bed, you want to drag yourself to the gym, you want to get up on your first alarm, and you just can't do any of that. Like, Trust me, there are stretches where that feels like an everyday occurrence for me. And that's where therapy came in. And that's where it can benefit you too. Therapy helps you figure out what's holding you back so you can work for yourself instead of against yourself. Therapy can be for absolutely everyone. It's helped me overcome dominating thoughts. It can help you in setting boundaries and so much more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash JustBaseball, one word today, to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash JustBaseball. Now, back to the show. I think this one hit a little harder for him because you thought maybe he was breaking out of it last game. You, you got a couple hits. Uh, you get a, a, a free pass, too. You know, works a walk. So you get on base three times. You have this galvanizing win as a team. And I thought maybe that would kind of help him turn around. I, I bet he thought that that would help him turn it around. And then you have another day like you did today as we're recording this where it's just like you're lost at the plate again. So I can't imagine it's almost like a tease. You felt like you were going to break out of it. And then you get reeled back into, you know, the darkness and kind of being lost and you're not really finding it again at the plate. I will say, though, he's a pro's pro. He still robs a home run from Jankowski, and he's going to try to do whatever he can. He stays locked in on the defensive side of things. But, yeah, he just doesn't look confident, especially coming off of a game where it looked like he was finally going to break through a little bit. Yeah, and th there was something – there's nothing he can do about that leap at the wall on the Heim homer. But if he timed it perfectly, I think he could have had a shot at it. But, you know, I don't think that's offensive frustration bleeding into – No, he snagged one from Jankowski a few innings later. So it's yeah. it, it's it, that was just a tough play. That was an insane play to even have a chance at. They took Fromber deep the other way twice. It was Mitch Garver with a wall scraper, and it was Jonah Heim with the wall scraper of all wall scrapers. It was gone in two of 30 ballparks, that in the short porch. But Fromber, I thought, looked a lot better 
mm-hmm. here than he did in game two. And that's pretty easy to do because he didn't look good at all. Problem is he's been matched up with Ivaldi twice. And Nathan Ivaldi, man, like, okay, it's Wheeler. And then it's probably Ivaldi and Javier. Yeah, I mean, right now Ivaldi is we talked about just how absurd he is in the postseason. I think his ERA may have gone up in the postseason, you know, with, with that start today where he goes six and a third of, of two run ball. It's, it's just remarkable how even when he's not as sharp as he normally is in terms of the last couple starts, he was definitely sharper. We talk about how he's pouring in strikes at about a 75% clip. This start wasn't quite as good in terms of pounding the strike zone and still, you know, got out of jams. You talk about the tightrope backs, but he he's just comfortable in those uh, and is able to still turn in a really good start where not only does he preserve the bullpen, he also gives his team a really good chance to win, and they do. Uh, he just seems to like have it all the way like he used to again, which is even when I'm not pinpoint, I have the stuff to be able to still turn in quality starts, and that's exactly what, what the Rangers got from him again. I think the career ERA should go down in the postseason, if I'm not mistaken, because he came in with a 2.87 ERA. Okay, and, and it will go down a little bit. Just a little bit. But this guy, he had maybe his worst command night in the history of his postseason career. Six and a third, four Ks, and three hits. So that brings him up, if I'm doing the math right, to, let's see, 69 innings, even. He's got 69 punch outs. Nice. Really nice. And 12 walks. He came in 65 Ks, nine walks in 62 and two thirds. He never beats himself. No. And he's got the stuff to beat other guys if it's anywhere close to the strike zone. And you know what showed me how confident Bochi is in him with, with runners on base is when you had a runner on first base, Jordan's up. And they said, screw it, put them on with two outs. So, I mean, how you never see that. Even with the best hitters in the game, you don't see a coach or a manager willing to put another base runner on and put a guy into scoring position. It's just unheard of. It's a, it's a pitch to Jose Abreu, by the way. Yeah. And that's what they do. One, I think it's, it's respect to Jordan. But two, I think it's confidence in your guy that he can pitch with, with runners on base, that he's okay with jam situations. And it worked out. He got Jose Abreu pretty easily, and they went into the next inning. And the only guy that he can't pitch to is Jordan Alvarez, who I think is 11 for 15 against him now. It was something gross like that. It was was one of the most insane lines I've seen. It was, was, yeah, just don't don't pitch to him. I get it if it's Jordan Lyles, but, like, this isn't Jordan Lyles. No. He's mid-30s, and he's throwing 98. Yeah. But the other – that makes the other side of this even more – insane that Josh Spores, yeah, I think he's the only guy that can actually maintain Jordan. Jordan's now one of eight against him with I think five punchy, something along those lines. But the hit's a homer. (laughs) Yes, that the one is a homer, but it's one, and it's amazing. Like, Spores is the one guy, like, I didn't know what to expect going into the postseason. I didn't know what what he'd be able to do. I know he's a big swing and miss guy, but the ERA is inflated. Someone that can kind of beat himself from time to time. He's been arguably their most important arm. It's He's the first guy usually that comes after a quality start, and he keeps the ball rolling and hands it over to LeClerc, who's been really important too, but I think he's kind of danced around some, some scary situations and gotten lucky. But uh, sports has been a huge part of what the Rangers are you know, still in this thing. 
So he starts my stretch of four rapid fire thoughts, and I want rapid fire reactions from you. Rapid fire thought one that I jotted down in one note. Josh Spore's facial hair. What's going on? Question mark. Did you see it? It's like that weird handle up to the mustache, but that he still has some scruff down below with a beard. Yeah. He doesn't look good. Your thoughts? I love it. Okay. He's loose. Whatever. Um, thought number two, I still think Corey Seager's bat is illegal somehow. It, it, it looks like he's swinging a, like something that's not regulated. And I brought this up with Peter and he agrees. When's the last time you've seen Corey Seager break a bat? I don't know. I think he's been using that thing for years. Exactly. I think he's used it for a while. If I, that's all, I'm that's anecdotal. I have no idea. He may have broken one three games ago, and I didn't but notice. He's got but like that weird ring on it. It's like it's weird for sure. But I don't I, I don't no, care. It's, it's that totally guy could, legal. It's great. it's totally. But it, it sometimes it seems like he's using something that nobody else has because the swings that he gets off. Also, that's another guy. Watch it where he is at finish, and you talk about back hip and adjustability. Sometimes he looks like he's collapsing his backside just to be able to stay down and through the breaking balls and he'll swing off of one knee. It, it, the, the ability to control his lower half is insane. He's just found it, but he slowed down a little bit. And yeah. I think that's been really amazing to me that the Rangers have been able to still remain incredibly productive. Also, before we forget, we do have to talk about Jose Altuve's three round shot. Oh yeah. True. Let's talk That's, about that right Astros now. Astros fans are like punching air right now. So, but we got to get to that at some point because th- that guy is is one of one. Yes. So I'm going to bring up my two last thoughts, and that'll take us into big homers. Thought number three: Bruce Bochy and Dusty Baker have two of the best old man gates that we've got. G A I T. Like their walk is insane. Like Bochy just looks like he's got a hip problem, and he might. But like we knew this was going to be the old head manager series. And Bochi walks like he's in a little bit of pain, like when he's out to the mound. And I'm like, okay, yeah, like old old managers, like this is perfect. It's. I was thinking about trying to get like a stopwatch, see what what each of their times are to to the mound. Who would you take? I, I think Dusty. I think Dusty's got a little bit more pep in his step. There's a little bit more urgency to the stride. But like the thing is, Bochi has very quick steps. I think they're shorter strides, quick steps, but it's it's angled. Like his shoulders are waving a little bit. I think no, I've been there. Pretty much stay online. Yeah, you have. Yeah, been. I've been there. I, yeah, I still sometimes walk a little funny, but yeah, I I take I take Dusty. Thought number four was Adolis Garcia has clearly never been a villain before, and I wrote no. that down when he was zero for four with four punch outs, and then he had a big homer. But before we get to that big homer, Altuve's three run shot was a big homer from a top 10, top five postseason hitter of all time. Isn't it crazy that you can already say that and it's not ridiculous? Like usually it's like, oh, no, no, you're getting ahead of yourself. By every statistic, it's not ridiculous. And then also you have just the the moments that you know influence our perspective. He, he has both, right? He, he has the numbers to back it up. And then he has the specific highlights that you can close your eyes and remember. And, you know, whether you want to take those away from him in certain years or not is, is up to you. I, I choose to just say we did it before and after. So he probably just is able to do it. Um, the guy just doesn't flinch. And beyond that, it's it's just feels like whenever he gets up in those opportunities, you're just expecting him to do it. And there's not many guys. It's him and Jordan where I'm, I'm just expecting them to come through. And in a sport like baseball, 
it should never be like that. Michael Jordan, you expect to hit the game winner because he always shoots has the ball at his hand. Yeah, and you shoot a higher percentage. And with baseball, it, yeah, you, there's certain guys where you you feel confident about it, but there's very few. I'm cynical. I'm a cynical guy. There's very few guys where I feel very like he's going to do it here. And Altuve is one of those where I'll just die on that hill every time, and <laughs> you're not going to die every single time. So the John Singleton theater was great, but it was lining up for Altuve in the ninth. And my mind started racing because if Altuve did get Chapman, he has sent the Astros to the World Series against Araldis Chapman before. <laughs> that, that, that was my immediate thought. But my other thought was, okay, it was two nights ago or three nights ago, two nights ago. It was two nights ago that he took Jose Leclerc deep. <laughs> to win a game. So like there was a storyline attached to each of those two guys that he had the possibility of seeing. So the thing that kind of gets skewed when it comes to postseason homers is, you know, Manny Ramirez is number one at 29. Altuve is number two at 26. They're playing more postseason games now yeah. than they ever have before. Like we've got a wild card series now. We didn't have that. Um, previously, I think it was just what, you win the pennant during the regular season and you go to the World Series. Like some guys only played in the World Series back in the olden times. And yeah. You had the CS and you had the World Series. But Altuve has 26 home runs in 101 postseason games. That's a great <laughs> season. If you're cut yeah. short, injury riddled, and you only play 101 games and you still have 26 homers, you're super thrilled with that guy on your yeah. team. And, and that's against the best teams in the highest stake moments. Like that's what makes it so remarkable is that the, the players that I think are perceived as incredibly clutch generally tend to just be close to what they normally do in the regular season. And then of course you have some guys that are just on, on a different level, especially the pitchers who just work on adrenaline, like a different beast and like the guys we just talked about, but it's just one of those things where I feel like the, the Astros, yeah, you can credit them for just developing a really good team. But I think what's made them have this staying power beyond that is that they not only identified a bunch of players who are really good and have been good for a long time and, you know, are the part of this core that they have and have also been able to replenish it a little bit. They've also somehow identified or lucked into a collection of guys who do not blink in the postseason. I mean, Tucker, this has been the one time, but we've seen him come through on the big stage. I just think this is a funk, like a regular season funk. But Altuve, Bregman, Jordan, it's just amazing that Jeremy Pena even, I mean, he won World Series MVP, Maldi in different places. They just have this group of guys that are also built for the postseason, which I think is really interesting because I don't think it's just because they've been there for a while because they were like this from the jump. And that's why they always keep coming back. It's something about the mentality instilled in these guys too is, is pretty amazing. Well, and they had it with Correa too. Like Correa is one of the greater postseason performers that we've seen in mm -hmm. our generation. So they somehow found that. Springer won a World Series MVP. George Springer was an amazing postseason player when he had that opportunity. Yep. So like there's something about it. And maybe yeah. when they're, you know, maybe when they're Corpus Christi hooks, it's like, hey, you got to learn how to really show up in the big moment. They're like, yeah. okay, yeah, <laughs> it's May 15th. Well, like I'll figure it out. It's funny. They do like a lot of the players and their affiliates, like the, all, a lot of their minor league teams. They like the players to stay with certain affiliates a little bit longer so that they can compete in the postseason and, and win a championship. Like they care about that. The Rays care about that. Certain teams, you know, organizations care about that. And whether you think it applies or not, I, I think it, it, it can help in certain ways. And it is an interesting, you know, approach and component to it. I will say, too, I, I think it a big reason all the things we're talking about with the Astros 
I think the Rangers are the better baseball team in terms of what they have on the pitching side. I know the bullpen's far better for Houston, but in terms of the starting pitching, it just feels like they have an advantage pretty much every single time we line up the, the hitting. I mean, you look at the offense. I think it's, it's a little bit scarier one through nine. Really it's the intangibles. I think that are making this a series that swung back into the Astros favor and now is going to seven games because I mean, this Rangers team is, a lot of guys that haven't really been there and a lot of guys that are having some of the best years of, of their careers and best stretches of their careers. And they're still maintaining it in the postseason. Usually these are the teams that we worry about fizzling and they haven't, and they've answered back every single time. We knew they were going to ride stretches. I think everybody knew they were the streakiest team in baseball, but Josh Young and Evan Carter stepping up at different times in the postseason. We dedicated a shout out to Leody Tavares last week because Leody stepped up in that nine hole. But even last night, think about the guys that took Valdez deep. And before that, you know, huge onslaught in the ninth inning, that was Mitch Garver and Jonah Heim. Yep. You're two Those catchers. aren't in the top five when it comes to guys you rattle off at the Texas Rangers. No, and it's their two catchers, which is funny. And Garver, by the way, is going to get himself a bag in the offseason. Yes, absolutely. By the way, I identified the Garrett Stubbs of the American League, and it's Austin Hedges. Like, just there for the vibes. If he gets in, something has gone really well or really poorly. For the no, world. you're totally right. I think they love him, too. I, yeah, I've, seems like. I've seen some, I heard some things. Like, he's definitely one of the favorites around there. Um but yeah, it's it's lining up quite perfectly, obviously, in the American League side of things. And then I wanted to ask you, too, as we go into the next game, like, is this thing going 7-2 or are the Phillies kind of closing this thing out? Okay, before that, we we got to talk about the Adolis homer because Rangers oh, yeah. kill us. We don't talk about the Adolis homer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had that note. He's really bad at being the villain. He's clearly never done it before because he went over for four with four punch outs, including mano y mano with Jose Abreu or with uh, Brian Abreu. But that grand slam against Stanek, obviously Stanek wasn't right. He hit Seeger yeah. on the outside of the ankle, which looks like it hurt like an oh my like, gosh, that looked so painful. But then Adolis, who came into that at bat over for four with four punch outs, mm-hmm. puts that swing on that ball. After the previous plate appearance for him, he laced a ball the other way that was a foot or two outside of the right field foul pole. Yeah. He's got that lightning strike potential in that bat. And you just look at that cat's physique on TV. He's he's physically built different. Yeah, it's scary. His swing is violent. But what's amazing to me is he doesn't get away from it at all. And, and he's just a guy he knows there, there's going to be some lift to pallet. And no matter what, even over four, four punchies, I'm still getting my a swing off and I'm trying to hit the ball to the moon. And he got to a high fastball and that's what put the game on ice. I mean, that's, that's what did it was that swing. I love seeing how confident he is. Cause I think we saw some more ups and downs previously. And, you know, he was a guy that was a late bloomer trying to make it because he got traded for very little. And then, he was DFA'd by the Rangers before they brought him back and gave him a second chance. Everyone loves to talk about, oh, how could the Cardinals give him up? Well, he cleared waivers. The the Rangers gave him up and then took him back. Like, yes, it was a bad move by the Cardinals in hindsight, but, I mean, not really if the Rangers were willing to give him right back. So that that part of it's remarkable, and I think he's finally realized, hey, I belong here. I don't need to try to be a contact guy. I don't need to make tweaks between at-bats and game-to-game when I have my ups and downs because he was really streaky. And now it's 
I'm still going to keep being me. And he does that even when he was threatening for 0 for 5 with five punches. Doesn't care. He's getting his swing off and he put this game on ice. Okay. Now the quick previews to wrap. We've got game six on the National League side. We got game seven on the American League side. We're going to start with the early one, which is five Eastern. That's Phillies, D backs in Philly. That's Aaron Nola, who was amazing in game two against Merrill Kelly, who was less than stellar in game two. Yeah. I don't think we go to seven. Which I is why it's probably going to go to seven, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I I don't see how either. Um, Kelly's a guy that I, I think is really good at churning out decent starts and, and, and hanging in there. But he's a guy, if you see him two, three times, I think you get even more comfortable. And I think this Phillies lineup's going to have a pretty good approach against him and you know make him work. And on the other side, Nola's not really a guy that you get more comfortable with because he's got so many different pitches and so many different ways that he can attack you. And he's been pitching the best he has really thrown all year. So he's making himself I, more money. He might have lost himself money this regular season, but he's making it back. This yeah, season. exactly. And I know that's what everybody with a rational mind is saying right now, which is why I feel like something weird is going to happen. Sure. But you know, the D-backs did see Nola, at least though. I know he's really tough to game plan for because <laughs> he changes his looks and varies his sequences. But, you know, maybe they'll they'll have a little bit of confidence being that they, you know, saw him once. I will say, though, Peter brought it up on the, the other episode. The D-backs like to hit at home and, and they don't like hitting nearly as much on the road. And we saw that in the beginning of the series. So, I don't know. This is a tough spot for them. Let's see what they're made of. But they've been punching back more than I think anyone thought they would. They want a Joe man to play bullpen game, you know, so sure. they, they, they keep doing it, man. No, I'm with you. I am 100% with you, but I don't know, like the rational thinker in me can simplify it down to, oh, the Phillies are playing in Philly. It's over. Yeah. And that's Fair. what this postseason has been for the Phillies. And they had what? They had a stretch of 16 consecutive solo homers. <laughs> that okay, you can look at it. It's like, oh, they don't have, you know, base runners, whatever. Like, they're not putting up the crooked number. It, to counter that, I say, no team should be hitting that many homers in, like, this short of a stretch. But that's no. what they were doing. Like, so many guys were just leaving the yard that nobody had time to get on base. And they would turn a solo homer into another solo homer two hitters later. Or you could go back to back. Um, I'll say four solo homers and the Phillies win game six. I like that. I, I think, I mean, that's kind of how the last one went <laughs> with Merrill and, and Nola. So I, I like that. Game seven. Astros Rangers is Christian Javier and Max Scherzer. I get the, hey, let's ride the Hall of Famer thing. I love that Bochi did it in game three. He better have a short, short leash in game seven. He's I going think to. Javier might be too good. And I think this is the game where the home team wins. Unfortunately, that that seems like it might be the case, but I'm just I'm never going to completely count out Max Scherzer. I just the ultimate competitor. I did think this stuff looked pretty good in the last start in terms of it was better than I thought it would be. A lot more fours and fives, uh, and I thought a little bit more life on the stuff. Just missed his location, then it kind of started to fall apart. He just needs to give them five innings of two run ball. I say just, but I, come on. I think you could do it. Jamon's been doing it. The other guys have been doing it. If you can give them five innings, a two-run ball, I think they've got a shot. Because the one thing with Javier right now is, yes, he's been just as effective, but he's not going to go seven, eight, nine innings. So I know the, they got a really good bullpen over there in Houston, but if you can just hang in there, you can get to Javier for one or two, 
or at least get to one of the bullpen arms for one or two. It's it's going to be interesting. You don't need a Max Scherzer complete game, which you're not going to get. Can he give you five? Can the Hall of Famer give you five innings of two run ball? I'm willing to believe that that could be in there, and I'm hoping that that could be in there for for the guy. I do feel bad for him at this point. I know Mets fans don't want to hear it, but that guy's never made excuses. He's always tried. His body's just been failing him, and that sucks. And I know he gets paid a lot of money, but I'm just talking about it from just the competitor standpoint. It's got to suck. I feel for him, and I, and I hope his body can hold up in this one. So that's kind of my prevailing question. Like, is his body intact enough to give them five innings? And I just – I don't know if the answer is yes. Yeah. I don't know either. I will say Heaney throwing the ninth last night is really helpful because Leclerc was, it seemed like, on for five outs. He only needed to get two, and now you've got him. If you need to turn to him for four or five, you can – but man, like, I don't know. I just, I think this game is going to be decided when the starting pitchers are on the mound. And I just, I know who I'm siding with this postseason. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy that it's gone that way, but at this point you, you can't, you can't bet against Christian Javier. No, I'm hoping for great theater from these two. Um Especially Game 7, man. There's nothing like a Game 7. And we're going to be glued to it. And Peter and I are going to talk to you after both those games tomorrow. And it's going to be excellent. And um, what else? Merch? Any link you need is in the episode description. Again, check out the BetterHelp um, promotional code, promo card that we have in our episode description. 10% off if you sign up uh, with our referral. And uh, I think that's it. What you got? Just the top 100 end of season update. Go check that out. Uh, Really excited to close the book on 2023 with the prospect side of things and looking forward to putting it all together for 24. But yeah, go check that out. Uh, Really excited to keep doing the team top prospect list now soon too. Padres will be this coming week on the call up and we'll be turning out all 30 and going from there. So be sure to check out the call up as well. It's 12.09 Eastern. Are you going to microwave your milk, get get some warm milk, and counting your sheep? You know I'm not, not a milk, milk guy. Thing. Yeah, Never you know I'm not a milk guy. No. Almond. Go yep. to. See you guys. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.